0: Uh, well, good morning. I'm Pastor Allen. Welcome, everyone. Uh, we're starting a new series today. It's called 90. Originally, we were going to talk about the life of Christ up through Easter, the resurrection, and we celebrate uh, for 90 days, but because of events that have happened, we're down to about 60 days, so we can't really change the title, but it's going to be about uh, from now to Easter. We're going to look at the life of Christ. We're going to look at his entry, ent- entry into ministry today, look at some important things he taught, some conversations he had, and of course, uh, culmination will be on Easter with uh, his resurrection and conquering sin and death. So I hope you can join us for most, if not all, all of this series. <clears throat> One of the goals in this series is uh, to try and help with some confusion. Maybe you're not a Christian. If you're not, we're glad that you're here, uh, because it's just so confusing. We got this stuff in the Old Testament, and New Testament, and so much stuff I don't understand. Some of it seems cultural, and which it is. And we'll talk about that a little bit. And so, what is it that we really need to understand? And one of the things we need to understand is that Jesus didn't come to add on to some religion, in his case, Judaism. He came to start something new. So I think that's on your outline. Uh, Jesus came to introduce something brand new to the world. Now, sometimes you hear new and improved on a package or a product in the store. And it's really... Not new, it may be improved, it may have added some, or tweaked the product or something in that case. But it's really not something new, it's basically the same product. Well, Jesus didn't come to make an improved Judaism. He came to make something brand new. And not just for Judaism, or just for Jews, but for the entire world. Now, the Jews were told to spread it to the entire world, but they didn't do a very good job of it. And so Jesus came to, this is, to the whole world, and for the whole world. Now, Pastor Clinton and his wife are going to a concert this evening up in Shippersburg. I said, what kind? He said, "Uh, tell me the names. Country music, anyway. He said, that's what they like. Uh, He said, that's what they grew up on. I didn't grow up on that side. That's not my my preference. But when you go to a concert, usually the main act or main event that you want to go and see. But they run out somebody else. In your case, I think a couple of other bands beforehand, Right? And so that's fine. You probably enjoy that. Uh, Last concert I went to was a long time ago. was Michael W. Smith. (laughs) And some other group came out, and they they warmed up the crowd and and, and so forth, which is fine. Uh, But you really came to see the main act. And so we're going to talk about Jesus' warm-up act today. Somebody got the crowd ready for him to come. His name was John the Baptist, now he wasn't Baptist because he went to a Baptist church, (laughs) a better translation would be John the Baptizer, and we'll talk about that a little bit in a few minutes. He was this first guy to come along and start baptizing people, which was kind of odd, but he did a lot of odd things that we're going to see. The fascinating thing also is we have four accounts of the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they're not all the same, which is interesting, but John the Baptist is addressed in all four Gospels. And in two, in Mark and John, he's basically how the gospel starts, how the story of Jesus starts. In Luke and uh, Matthew <clears throat> uh, picks up the story in, uh, after Jesus' Christmas story, you know, the birth and all that stuff. So in chapter three of both of those books, we get the account of John the Baptist. <clears throat> so we're going to start off in Luke. We're going to look at some Matthew, but mostly in John. Uh, we don't have time to do it all this morning. But this is the as I said, warm up act for Jesus. <clears throat> now, wonderful thing about Luke is Luke's a long gospel. And the one reason it's a long gospel is because he's, in, he's a historian, he's about details. And so he starts off in chapter three after he started the Jesus narrative, a birth narrative. He starts off in chapter three, now Jesus is like 30 years old. He's giving the political situation and the religious situation of the day. So people reading this will say, yeah, we kind of like us reading something about who is president, 20 years ago, and who was the governor and other people 20 years ago. We would recognize the names and say, yeah, 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 they used to be, used to be in power. <clears throat> so this is history, this is not myth, this is not stories, this is true people and, and, and true, true events. So I, I tremble a little bit because I don't know how to pronounce some of these names, but anyway, he starts off with the Roman emperor. He's the most important person in the world, right? Rome occupied most of the, of the known world. So it was in the reign of Tiberius, 15th year. So that's historical context. Pontius Pilate was governor over Judea, so the area around Jerusalem. Uh, Herod Antipas was ruler over Galilee. That was the area north. His brother was a ruler in some of these other places. And Licinius was ruler over Abilene. So we've got all these government officials ruling different areas. Real people, real time, real events. Next verse, he talks about the political situation, I mean a religious situation. He says Annas and Caiaphas were the high priests. Now most of us don't, don't catch this, but normally there's one high priest. <laughs> and he serves until he dies and then you get a new high priest. Kind of like the Pope in our day. So this was kind of odd. And best we can tell is Annas was the Jewish chosen high priest. Caiaphas was probably... Uh, chosen by the Romans for whatever reason, and they somehow they were high priests together. We don't know that, but there's two high priests, which is kind of odd. At this time, this is this historical time, 15th year of Tiberius. A message came from God. Uh, message from God came to John, son of Zachariah, and you can read about that in the Gospels. who was living in the wilderness. So, uh, John was a distant relative of Jesus. At this point, he is he's six months older than Jesus, and he's living out in the, in the wilderness, in the country. He's not living in the city. He's not in Jerusalem. <clears throat> so again, this is a historical setting. And then we we'll switch to Matthew's account. He says, people from, next account, people from Jerusalem, all of Judea, and all, all over the Jordan Valley went to see and hear John. So this is a big area, kind of like the state of Maryland. People are all going in now we got to realize that they didn't have mass transportation. It's not like you and I jumping in a car and going to Shippensburg. (laughs) This would have been at least a day's journey, one way, to get from Jerusalem down to the Jordan River where he was. Now, John's kind of a strange character. He dresses weird. He eats weird food. And uh, so he's kind of like a circus act. So we don't know why people are all going to see him. Some of it might just be curiosity, right? But they also went to hear him. Now, he was a preacher, and he was preaching, and he had a strong message, but it it, it was powerful, and people were paying attention to it, and they wanted to hear it. And when they heard it, thousands of people were coming out into this country, out into nowhere. There weren't hotels and stuff either. And they were confessing their sins. Now, again, we don't kind of catch this, but... We think about confessing our sins today. How in Judaism, the first century Judaism, how did you confess your sin? Well, you went to the temple. You talked to a priest. He gave you instructions. The law would tell you maybe to sacrifice a pigeon or some other animal, some other bird for your sin. There was probably some, some, some prayers you had to say or ritual that you had to go through. And that's how your sins were forgiven. If you didn't live in Jerusalem, you went to the tabernacle. I mean, the synagogue. <clears throat> So there was these steps or these hoops to jump through to get your sins forgiven. But this was odd, that you would go out into the country to this strange guy named John and get your sins forgiven. It was like he was a portable or a walking temple because you didn't have to go to the temple to get your sins forgiven. Really odd, really different, something brand new, right? Uh, then he was baptizing them in the Jordan River. and This, is, this was odd, this was strange also. They had a form of we might think of baptism in Judaism in the first century. But it was restricted to people who were not Jewish to become Jewish. And there was hoops to jump through, things you had to do. And one of those was a more of a ritual washing that you did for yourself, to yourself, often by yourself. Certainly nobody else was involved, nobody else was touching you. So that was the context of what they thought about baptism, but this John guy is taking people and he's dunking them down in the water in the Jordan River as a part of this confession of their sins. So why? So I try to think of an illustration. When my hands get dirty, I can go and wash them, and I know, ah, my hands are clean. Uh, But when I'm confessing my sins, getting my inside clean, I can't see that. You can't see that. So baptism is a way to say, hey, I've got my insides clean. So then we're going to switch to John's account. And again, John pretty much starts off his account with a story about John the Baptist. And he's relating in symbolic words uh, about Jesus, because it's all about Jesus, right? Uh, He said, God sent a man, John the Baptist, or John the Baptizer, to tell about the light. Well, who's the light? Well, Jesus was the light. He was the light to come into the darkness. And he was light so that everyone might believe. And this was odd to Jews because Jews thought, you know, God was for them and against everybody else. No, 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 no. Jesus, this Jewish Messiah, wasn't just for Jews. He came for everyone. So everyone might believe because of his testimony. And so John was able to tell his story. Your testimony is your story. <clears throat> and he, we're going to see he's paving the way or he's the, he's the uh, opening act for Jesus. And part of your job, my job, if you're a Jesus follower, is to tell our story to pave the way or help people get to Jesus. And we did that with some football players a couple of weeks ago. And hopefully that helped some people get closer or, or on the way to Jesus. <clears throat> so John makes it really clear. This is John the disciple writing about John the Baptist. John the Baptist was not the light. He was out there preaching, offering confession of sin, but he wasn't the light. He was simply a witness or a testifier or a storyteller to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, there it is again, not to just Jews, to everyone, was coming into the world. Like, I'm here now, but he's coming. I'm here to kind of get you ready. You pay attention. And all my job is to reflect. And just like your job, my job, is, if you're a Jesus follower, is to reflect God. So I get up here and I, I don't want you to see me. Hopefully you see Jesus. And the same thing with your life and my life during the week. And we don't people see us. We want them to see Jesus in or through us. <clears throat> uh, so John, the writer of Gospel John, says this next. John the Baptist testified about him when he shouted to the crowd, this is the one I was talking about when I said someone is coming after me. So this is what happens later when he actually gets baptized, Jesus gets baptized. After me, so yeah, I'm just here and then he's coming, he's after me. Far greater than I am, which is really important. I'm a n- not important. That's not, not about me. It's all about him. So now I'm not important. But then this next part's a little confusing, right? For he existed long before me. Well, how did he exist long before me if he's coming after me? This is a proclamation that this is God. This is the Son of God. And he's always existed. So he existed long before John the Baptist here on earth. And he existed long after, of course. <clears throat> then he says something that would have would have been uh, got the Jewish audience's attention. He says, for the law was given, next, next verse, the law was given through Moses. Now, to a Jew, the law is everything. This was your way to connect with God. This was your, your religion, your, 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 Christ, your, your faith. The law was given through Moses. You know, he went on the mountain, and came down with the Ten Commandments. The law was given through Moses. So Moses, you know, he got God up here and then Moses right, right next to him. He was really important. And the law is everything. Uh, and they had this... Uh, uh, In the temple they had an area called the Holy of Holies. uh, Which the high priest could go only in there once a year. And tradition tells us they tied a rope to his leg. In case he had a heart attack in there. And couldn't come out. Because nobody else could go in there. And so they could pull him out. He was behind this big curtain. And so the law originally was there. Parts of the Ten Commandments or whatever. Probably at this point they weren't. But the Holy of Holies was still there. The center of worship was the temple. Etc. Now. Then he says, but, not and, but but. So we have the law. We talked about it a few weeks ago. What was the purpose of the law? To show us our sinfulness, okay? It really doesn't help us get to God. So the law was given through Moses, but grace, what is grace? That's getting what you don't deserve. What is the law about? Giving you what you do deserve, right? An eye for an eye type thing. Uh, But... So it's something different. This is brand new. This is not an add-on. But grace, giving you what you don't deserve, and truth come through Jesus Christ. And the truth is that through faith in him, you can be connected and forgiven your sins and reconnected with God. Another place the Bible talks about Jesus was full of grace and full of truth. Sometimes we think we have to try and compromise one or the other. So we can always be gracious and always proclaim the truth. There don't need to be contradiction. But there is this tension between grace and truth and Jesus and the law. And they're not reconcilable. They're not compatible. And we're going to talk about that. So then he goes on. This was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders sent priests and temple assistants from Jerusalem to ask John. Now, what happened was there's this crowd, there are thousands of people are going out, way out in the country to see this strange guy. And the political leaders, as well as the religious leaders got nervous because anytime you get a crowd, there's a chance of a rebellion, a resurrection, a uh, 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 um, rebellion against the authorities and the Romans didn't like that and the Romans were going to come in and squash it if they did. So the religious leaders, they didn't wanna bother themselves of going out there in the country this long trip, uncomfortable. So they sent their assistants, you know. Too important for me to go, hey, you guys, you go. Find out about this John guy. So they go out. They say, who are you? And he came out and said, they didn't ask him if he was the Messiah, but he knew what they were thinking because different people had come along in history and said they were Messiah. Got people to follow him. He came right out and said, I'm not the Messiah. Calm down. Don't have to worry. Everything's Okay. I'm not the Messiah. Well, okay, so we know who you're not. (laughs) He goes on, well then, who are you? You're not the Messiah, who are you? Are you Elijah? Now they ask him why if he was Elijah, because it it had been 400 years since the Old Testament, and they hadn't heard from God, but the last part of the Old Testament in Malachi talks about Elijah or resurrection of Elijah or or a a type of Elijah is going to come, So they say, well, maybe you're him. His answer is, no, not, not, that's, I'm not him either. And some people are expecting a prophet to come. So he said, are you the prophet we're expecting? He said, no, no I'm not that person either. So who are you? We know who you're not. Who are you? <laughs> you need to answer us to those who send us. So we've we got to answer these, the high priests and, and Pharisees and Sadducees back in Jerusalem. You've got to give us something. What do you have to say about yourself? Who are you? So he responds with, actually, part of scripture, his scripture, the Old Testament, uh, from the prophet Isaiah. Uh, Next verse. Uh, The words of the prophet Isaiah. I am a voice shouting in the wilderness. Duh, he's out there preaching in the wilderness, right? Clear or preparing the way for the Lord's coming, the Messiah's coming. So I, I'm getting on the you know <clears throat> the opening act, I'm the setup act, I'm the I'm the person getting making things get ready for what's to come. I'm not that important, I'm just getting stuff ready. I want you to be ready, I don't want you to miss it. That's that's who I am. <clears throat> so then they reiterated their question. <clears throat> if you're not next. If, you're, if you aren't the Messiah and you're not Elijah, you're not the prophet, what right do you have to do this baptizing? Who gave you this authority? You're, you're, not, a, you're not a Levite, you're not a priest. You, you, in our day, you say you hadn't gone to seminary. Who gives you the authority to go out there and proclaim this forgiveness, uh, confession and forgiveness and this baptism? And he didn't really answer their question. <laughs> he just says this, I baptize with water, next verse, but right here in the crowd is someone you don't recognize, implying that you need to recognize and hopefully you will recognize. Again, this is water baptism. There's gonna become a greater baptism, a baptism we'd say of the Holy Spirit, right? And then he goes on to say through his ministry, this one that you don't know, which we know is gonna be Jesus, through his ministry, through his, though his ministry follows mine, excuse me, I'm not even worthy to be a slave and untie the straps of a sandal. So I'm the, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of getting people ready, but make sure you understand this. I am nothing and he's everything. You know, I got this crowd coming to hear me, but it, it's not about me, it's about him. And so those of us that speak as preachers and stuff, or any of us in our lives, it's not about us. It's always to point people to Jesus. <clears throat> so he never gave him an answer, did he? So, if we go back to the Matthew account, we don't know how much time passes, but then the religious leaders decide, this is so important, that we've got to figure this out. So, the, 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 the leading Pharisees and Sadducees, different groups we need time to talk about, they actually go. So, these are the, the religious leaders. These are the most holy, the most religious people, and they're pretty wealthy, and they dress nice, and they probably came with a caravan. Uh, from Jerusalem down to the Jordan River. And it says many of them came. So, many of these Pharisees and Sadducees came to watch him baptize. Now, they come, John's baptizing these folks, he sees them evidently, and he says something to them. Notice what he says. You brood of Snakes. Now, I'm thinking as a preacher, I don't think I'm going to call anybody a brute of snakes. But this is John, and he's out there a little bit, and, and this was his message. Now, why would he say that? And it, because they had taken Judaism and made it into a burden to the people. And it made it into something that really didn't help them connect with God. And that was the responsibility. And that's our job as religious leaders. And they were doing a horrible job of it. And so that's what he's saying to them. You guys are doing a terrible job at what you're supposed to be doing. Pretty bold. And he said, who warned you to flee the coming wrath? And then he gets to the point, and he says this to them. Prove by the way you live that you've repented of your sins and turned to God. Oh, you claim to be really religious, and you follow all these rules, but some of those rules help them not be loving, and not be compassionate, and not be, we would say, uh, godly. <clears throat> so, he said, the proof is in, we would say, the proof's in the pudding, right? The proof's in if, you know, it's easy to talk, what are you actually doing? And one of the accounts about John the Baptist, we don't have time to talk about, three different people come to him and say, okay, I'm, I'm repenting of my sin, what do I need to do? That's the question. What do I need to do? And he gave them. one was a Roman soldier, he told him what to do. One was a tax collector, he told him what to do. <clears throat> so it's, repenting is turning away from something but if that's not enough you need to turn to something you need to turn to God You need to turn to, to godliness uh, <clears throat> so let's get back to John's account John said this took place again historically in a place in a time this encounter next verse this encounter took place in Bethany an area east of the Jordan River where John was baptizing this was a historical event and a historical place. So after this encounter with the religious leaders, the story picks up and says, the next day, the next day after that happened, John saw Jesus coming out. I'm just picturing this is so different. We have this huge, big group of Pharisees and Sadducees with this caravan, probably with slaves helping. They're all dressed up in these fancy robes and stuff. They came to see John. The next day, Jesus probably by himself, dressed like everybody else, Comes to see John. Who should have came with the caravan? Who should have came dressed in robes? Of course, Jesus. And then John says, Look, don't look at me. I know I'm a little odd, ah, a little strange, but don't look at me. <laughs> look at him. And then he calls him the Lamb of God. Now, to a Jew, you would understand this. You sacrifice the Lamb in the temple. The Lamb was sacrificed morning and evening, every day, for the sacrifice uh, for the sins of the, of the nation. <clears throat> They might have thought back to Abraham and when God provided a, so he didn't have to sacrifice, sacrifice his son Isaac. Um, he says, who takes away or carries away the sins. They also had the tradition in Judaism once a year they had the scapegoat out in the wilderness, they would let it go and it, it symbolically carried off the sins of the, uh, sins of the nation. So this, look, this, this Jesus. He's going to be the Lamb of God. He's going to take away the sins, not of just Jews, but of the entire world. And the world would never be the same. Whether you're a Jesus follower or not, maybe you're a follower of some other religion or other religion. The world was dramatically changed 2,000 years ago in this unimportant part of the world by this person we call Jesus. In fact, millions of people are worshiping today, 2,000 years later. Amazing as that is. now we talk about baptism I often get questions or even pushback about why do I need to be baptized well if you decide to become a Jesus follower that's the way we usually talk about it you're going to follow Jesus what was the first thing Jesus did was baptized so I'm following Jesus I should be baptized now his baptism was different than ours He never sinned. He never sinned to confess. It wasn't symbolic of being dead to an old life and resurrected to a new life. But it was an example for us. And the last thing Jesus said, go into all the world and baptize people. So he set the example and he gave us the instruction, so do it. Be baptized. We have to have a baptism service again another month or so. If you haven't been baptized, let us know. Write it on your card saying, I need to be baptized. We'd love to do that for you. So in a couple of closing statements here and, and then we'll finish up. <clears throat> so, we see from this encounter of Jesus and of course John baptizes Jesus. Jesus was a bridge between this old and new covenant, the old and the new testament, so to speak. He was born under the one. He was a Jew, born under Judaism, under the law, to introduce the other. These are two separate things. This is not an add-on. This is not... An improvement on, this is two different things. We went from 600, over 600 rules or laws, to what we're gonna see in a couple of weeks, basically down to one. Um, now, transitions are hard, aren't they? I don't know for you, maybe middle school to high school, high school to college, high school to workplace, college to workplace, singleness to married life, married life to singleness again maybe, um, retirement, Transitions are hard. I'm always kind of interested in small groups how much people talk about they don't like change. Uh, and I understand, I like to be comfortable, but you know, we also like change. Nobody wants to eat the same thing every day, do they? They don't think so. But transitions are hard. So this statement's on your outline. This is really important as we go through this series. <clears throat> Next, line. Next slide. Those that profit most from the status quo... In this case, it was the religious leaders of Judaism, are least inclined to let it go. And we're going to see that through this series because what happens? Eventually, the religious, Jewish religious leaders, join their hated Romans to execute this guy named Jesus. So when you confront them with Jesus, you've got three options. You can repent, confess your sins, repent, accept his gift of salvation and turn to God, enter in a relationship with God. You can resist, and a lot of people resist, uh, probably all of us, even for Jesus followers, at some point in our lives we were resisted until we got to a place to repent. We see, seem to see this, we see it then and we see it, seem to see it more and more in our society today. Not only to resist it, but you can resent it the Jewish leaders resented Jesus. And people are hostile about Jesus today. And Obviously, all through history, people have been martyred in the name of Christ. So I encourage you not to resist, certainly not resent, it, but to repent. One other thing we're going to look at in this series is this. The Bible is God's word. I believe it. Every word. First word to the last word. It's God's word. But every word is not for everybody. And you know this intuitively. And most of us, if we read the Old Testament, there's whole sections of the Old Testament about this old covenant and the old way to get to God. And and I read it every year. I read the Bible every year, but you know, it's just kind of curiosity or for information because it hasn't helped me get to God at all. Then there's parts that are written to specific groups. There's parts written to pastors and teachers. There's parts written to one of my favorites in Ephesians five. There's a verse that said, wives. So guys, husbands, men. We can cut that verse out of our Bible because it's not addressed to us, is it? Uh, It's interesting, guys like that verse more than the one later on where it says husbands. And wives, you can cut that one out of your Bible, all right? Not everything. There's huge sections in the New Testament written to Jesus followers. And if you're not a Jesus follower, we're glad that you're here and we hope you become one soon. But you can ignore that stuff. We don't have to judge you by that stuff. You have no reason to do that stuff. Now, there's other parts that are written to you and written to all of us, how to become, and we're going to look at that in a couple weeks. And Jesus had an encounter with a guy and told him how to become a Jesus follower. <clears throat> so, every word is God's word, but the Bible is not, all the Bible is not for everyone. I love what Mark Twain said. He said, it's the, not the parts of the Bible that I don't understand that bother me. It's the parts that I do understand that bother me. So, let's focus on those things. So in this series, we're going to look at three new things. First, a new covenant. That's a new agreement or a new contract or a new way of relating to God. It's not an add-on. It's something completely new. It's not going, it replaces this. We're getting rid of that, and this is the way we're going to go. New covenant. Secondly, a new commandment. 600 plus commandments. Jesus is going to boil it down to two and eventually to one. The main thing should be to keep the main thing the main thing, right? Okay, I can't keep track of 600, much less do them, but maybe one I can focus on. And he's going to say, you know, you heard it been said, meaning the law said this, like don't kill. That's one of the Ten Commandments, right? He said, oh, no, 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 no. You aren't even supposed to hate somebody. So you might be able to think you can keep that first one. You're certainly not keeping the second one. And the third is a new movement. And we call it the church, and we're part of that, right? So Jesus came to establish a new way to connect with God, a new commandment, a new instruction on how you are to treat people, and start a new religious community we call the church. So hopefully you can join us each week as we approach Easter, obviously uh, the most important event in the history of the world, as Jesus conquered sin and death for us. So let's pray and praise him to come and lead us in our last song. Father God, thank you. We thank you for John's paving the way for Jesus. And we thank you that he, his job was to point to Jesus just as our job is to point to Jesus. And we thank you for his message of repentance. And God, if there's folks here who are resisting or even resentful, we pray to God, today would be the day that they would <clears throat> repent. Say, I'm sorry you fighting you, God. I'm sorry you're trying to do it my way. I accept. Your gift of salvation, forgiveness. I want to follow you today. Some folks here haven't been baptized, and for whatever reason, they may be resisting or thinking it's not necessary. Uh, God, you instructed. Jesus said you, he, he showed us, and then he told us. So let's do it. Uh, Father God, we thank you for your word. It's all truth, but it's not all for, for all of us. So let us figure out what is for us, focus on that, and as those that came to John said, Well what are we what are we what are we to do as we follow Jesus? And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.